My guest this week is political commentator Stephen Colton Woods. Stephen, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Nathan. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So the local elections are taking place on Thursday. How do you think the two main parties are going to do? Well, it depends in which area you would. Are we talking about uh, nationally or... Uh, in... Nationally. Let, let's look at the broad picture here. Uh, how do you think they'll, they'll do nationally? I think the Conservatives are going to do a lot better than what the mainstream media would have you believe. Okay. So I know, I know it's a waiting game and we could have mm. this conversation this time next week mm. and it could be yeah. a very different conversation. But I really believe that the Conservative Party are going to do well. They're uh, being mooted to lose 800 seats by some parts of the media. Mm. Um, and that would be a normal thing at this time of year within a, you know, within a, um, a government period, right in the middle of it. Um, so governments tend to lose seats at this time. So... Uh, that wouldn't be the end of the world if that happened, but I just don't see it happening with the way that the media has turned on uh, the Prime Minister and this constant drip, drip, drip and negativity. And people are seeing through it. Generally, from my work experience and the people I come across, there is an awful lot of support for the Prime Minister. It's, it's interesting you say that. And there's been a lot of discussion recently, particularly around the idea of uh, the, the, the Downing Street parties and uh, other issues that they've been and the ruling earlier this week about the government acting unlawfully and discharging hospital patients to care homes without COVID testing. There's been a lot of issues that's been affecting the government. But do you think that these issues will actually come into play at the local elections? Or do you think there are just too many factors to consider in each area for that to be an issue? Well, there's one very big point there that you've come out with, which you're going to hear a lot on GB News next week, is that the government sent people home from hospital uh, to care homes. Uh, that's an absolute lie, by the way. Okay. When this happened back in the back in the early days, we, I was one of the people that highlighted this problem and the media didn't want to know about it and the NHS denied it ever happened. It is nothing to do with the government. It did happen and we've got loads of evidence of happening and we've got evidence of people trying to cover it up within the NHS. So mm -hmm. this story that's run with the uh, the mainstream media this week trying to point the finger at, uh, at the uh, the government is an absolute outrage, really. And um, and it was a big cover-up what happened within the NHS, telling families, oh, don't mention at the care home that they've been unwell and things like that. This was a big thing that was going on at the time, and it's absolutely nothing to do with the government or a government directive. But the government has been found by the High Court to have acted unlawfully in, in this case. And, of course, the well, if you, you, need to, you need to examine what bits that was said and stuff mm. like that and any directives that mm. went there. Mm. Uh, the actual, if we were being pragmatic about the whole situation, mm. there was, this is an absolute outrage, really, the way this has been portrayed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to come of this. Right. OK, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll see a, a lot more information, as you say, come out over the next few weeks and months about this particular issue, especially when the upcoming COVID inquiry gets underway. But just to come back to the local elections, then, you know, what what do you think are some of the big issues that's being raised at the moment? You know, what, what do you think are going to be the, the issues voters really care about in, in these elections? It's different for us, too, because we have a better, we have a good understanding of how politics works, and especially mm. at local level. But generally, people see, you know, that what's going on on the telly, what's going on in the newspapers when they pick it up and national things, unfortunately, do affect 
local issues, uh, mm. well, local voting. So if I take an area, an area of like Woodhouse Park where I live, uh, which is part it encompasses the Manchester Airport, mm. um, Labour have had a stronghold here for many many years. And we've seen Rob Nunney from the Green Party actually sort of break that mould, and he got elected uh, last year. And that was very much a case of people, he was locally elected and, and got people out to vote for him that wouldn't normally vote. So there's a very low turnout here, about 24%. That's on a good day in, in Woodhouse Park. Uh, so we've now seen the situation where Sarah Judge is the Labour candidate in Woodhouse Park, who's actually been campaigning quite a lot and obviously doesn't want another uh, Green going in. Uh, we, and then we've also got Stephen McHugh, who, who's the uh, uh, the Conservative candidate, and it escapes me who the uh, Lib Dem candidate is. But, uh, I mean, the main two people fighting out in this area are Labour and the Greens. Yeah, it's funny, you know, Labour have been winning with, like, 600 votes in previous elections. Mm. Well, it, it, historically. But in the last few elections, it's been very close. And the, right. the votes have been going up. They've been getting, you know, touch or go, 800 each, something mm. like that. And the Conservative vote's still been around the 200 mark. Mm. And the Lib Dems are around 50. So uh, I don't think we... Uh, it's going to be a close call this time locally. Yeah. Uh but the thing is, with the Green Party, with the, this local issue here, they're not really, you know, they're not really wanting the airport to be there. And this mm. is an area that heavily relies on jobs and mm. livelihoods from the airport. So uh, I don't think le local people want to see the end of the airport. So yeah. it's becoming a bit of a contentious issue yeah. for the Green Party. But I mean, if you if you take it generally with the with local things, you get councillors that really do work their areas mm. and engage with their local people and their local community organisations and groups and stuff like that, and they work it. And really, people should be voting on that, mm. not what Boris may or may not have done or what Sir Keir Starmer may not or may not have done. And I think generally you do see that, but there's still a lot of areas that don't take that into consideration. They don't really hear from the councillors. And then they, they go and vote on national issues then. So uh, mm. it depends on the area we're talking about, really. Mm. It's interesting as well. You mentioned the fact that turnout has been so low, particularly where you are. And low turnout seems to be a, a really common feature across the country of uh, local elections. Why do you think that that is the case? Why do you think that there is such a, a low turnout? Usually you get something like around 30, 40 in most areas, 30%. But... You know, it seems to be going less and less in some areas. So why, why do you think that is? Why do you think there's well, less it, engagement? it's strange, is it? Do you think... I, I think, really, it's people think as a feel that it doesn't matter, they're not going to be heard, mm. they've got no engagement or connection mm. with with the local council or what's going on. I mean, when we have... Uh, you have consultant uh, meetings and stuff like that, when you want to get the, you want to gauge what local people are saying, and you could put a, a thing out in the uh, into the community, and very few people turn up. It's about getting people interested in what's going mm. on in the area, and that's the skill of the people standing for council. Mm. If you can get people on side and show show willing and engage with your electorate, that's going to give you a good uh, leg up and and help you get into that position. But uh, if people are just disenfranchised because they're not getting anything, any communication with their local councillors, this sort of encourages it to uh, 
to be a low turnout, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting. So what, what do you think should, should be done by uh, councillors or candidates to in- increase that engagement in the democratic process? Do you think there there is anything that can be done? Or because we've had such low turnouts for well, so many years, do you think that's almost become ingrained in voting behaviours at local elections? If you ever speak to Boris Johnson about this budget subject, he says it's for you to go out and take it to the people. And that's what he's done on his local levels and when he was mayor for London and stuff like that. He went out and put himself out there and got known to different people. And he says, you've got to take it to them. Mm. So I always say to new candidates that want to be councillors that you've got to, if you look at a particular area with a low turnout, like if you look across Manchester, um, and they've really got to get out there and get people to go out and vote for them. You know, there's a lot of people who don't bother voting and uh, they're the ones to really engage. You're never going to change someone's mind to not vote for a particular party. It's bred into people in Manchester. But Mm. if you want them to, if you want an area to change, if you go and work that area and you'll get people out Mm. and supporting uh, the causes that you're supporting for them, there's every possibility, but it's an awful lot of work. And we've touched already on the fact that national issues will always play into a a local election. And it seems to be based on some of the coverage of in the run up to these elections that, you know, there are national issues at at play here and people are feeling upset and annoyed at at the parties and equally uh, not sure Keir Starmer's ready for uh, entering government just yet. But given that there has been so much anger and annoyance and upset towards the Conservatives at the moment. How much do you think this set of local elections will be a protest vote? Well, right, so you really, the way you've asked the question is very mainstream media-ish, yeah? Okay. Because you're assuming a lot of things by that. So from with me being pragmatic and my life and my world and the people I interact with on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it's very different to that and people's view... Okay. Uh, a lot of people I engage with very much support Boris um, and they're putting all this to one side and then they're actually it's actually making ordinary people have voted Labour all their lives turn on Labour this mm. it's having another of this is why we had Boris win by such a landslide mm. in the last general election we could see this all repeat again in the, over the even though it's local elections mm. so I'm expecting us uh, the Conservative Party to actually hang on to a lot of seats mm. and not lose them and possibly gain some in some unexpected yeah. areas. Um, and we'd, we found that in uh, last year's local elections as well. It seemed to really build on the successes of the 2019 general election. In, the Conservatives gained many across the northeast, for example, uh, leaving Durham County Council, for example, Labour solidly for 100 years in a minority administration, which was really un- unprecedented. So you're saying you think we'll see uh, many more of those a- examples? And well, I, 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 I just don't think it's going to go the way the media are portraying it. Okay. Uh, so we we are going to see some. We're gonna we're gonna see some uh, surprises, I would say. Uh, mm. But I mean, I would be surprised if the Conservative Party lost lots of seats, uh, mm. like as much as eight hundred. But what what level would you say is is a good result? You see, for a particular party, mm. um, what will Labour say if they don't make these massive gains? Mm. Um, and we've seen the hypocrisy coming from the Labour Party, which I mean, this information's been out there for a long time, and the media's chose not to follow certain stories. So mm. now, when they're forced to, and this has only become a, this thing about Keir Starmer and uh, and the deputy leader Angela Rayner being at this party in Durham, um, mm. has only rose its head because the Daily Mail did a story last Sunday about 
Angela Rayner and mm -hmm. uh, the way she conducts herself in Westminster. They mm -hmm. turned it. They then turned that story into she, all of a sudden Angela Rayner's a victim. And then people started asking, well, where these stories come from? So when media start digging around, they unturn, mm. they upturn stuff. And mm. uh, so it's turned out now, uh, because they, they, they then ordered the editor of the, uh, the Mail on Sunday to the Commons to, uh, to answer to questions, and they, re they declined the invitation, they then started running stories this week, and uh, mm. they're not being told what to do. So it's taken that sort of thing to happen. Mm for the media then to pick up, the mainstream media pick up with the story and actually say, well, this is going on as well. Wake up to this, fans. Just uh, on, on that point about the, the Daily Mail, it was really quite a almost unprecedented statement for Lindsay Hoyle to make about uh, wanting to see the, the editor of the Mail on Sunday and the political editor. And, you know, we, we can d discuss uh, the, the article at, at length, whether, the, you know, the allegations of sexism that were in there. But do you think it was right for the, the House of Commons Speaker to essentially summon the editor of a... A newspaper to no, come and answer for, answer for his, his content. It's absolutely outrageous, and I think Lindsay Hoyle should be removed as the Speaker of the House. Really, he's meant to be impartial, and uh, he's made it political. And then at the end of the day, the information that we've got, these stories actually started from the Labour Party. It wasn't a Conservative mm. MP, so mm. uh, it, it's uh, it's really come back and uh, bit them on the backside. Really, um, this this story. Again, I'm interested in, in this. So you think Lindsay Hoyle should be removed as a speaker as a, as a result of this? Because, I mean, I suppose he is the, the, the representative, the, the gatekeeper almost of the House of Commons and what MPs do in the chamber and how they conduct themselves, etc. But I, th I guess his argument would be that the how. He, the, one of his, the MPs that's in, in his chamber has been subject to a, a potentially sexist article by the, the Daily Mail. But surely, yeah. from his perspective, that would be uh, protecting the integrity of members of parliament. And uh, no, but he's done the opposite. I mean, in my in my view, he's brought the house into disrepute by taking okay. a political stance. As it, mm. he's not, it's not really. He's made it, this is political. Mm. It's nothing to do with uh, being fair and balanced or anything like that. Or you know, um, he, there's other things that have gone on to other members of the house, mm. and he's never he's never done anything about it. But because it's the deputy leader of the of the Majesty's opposition, he's intervened and he shouldn't have, and that, he's been caught out with it now because uh, he, we now know where uh, a lot of this has come from. And you don't you don't think he would have done the same thing if it was a Conservative MP? Well, he's not in it. the past, right? So let's move, move away from local elections for a moment, just to look at the, the state of the Conservative Party at the moment, and. You know, Boris Johnson's had a very tough time of it at the moment. Do you think he can still retain the support of his MPs? If he, if he has a, an OK set of local elections, we've got a, a by-election coming up in Wakefield as well. If he does OK in those, if he uh, retains Wakefield, do you think he can stay on? Do you think he would still have the legitimacy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing <laughs> is, the mainstream media, right, have just been on his case ever since he got elected. Um, and we've got a scenario where there's a lot of uh, conservatives that never wanted him leader in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of conservatives that were uh, pro EU and didn't like the the election result. He's, and then he's also got conservatives today in the in the chamber that were overlooked when jobs were coming out, and they've turned on him as well. So mm -hmm. he's got them. He's got this. Uh, this problem from all mm. sides, really, and the mainstream media, and the uh, besides all the opposition. Mm. So he's really up against it. Now the thing is, 
what how will we measure this because can you imagine we don't know what's going to happen next thursday and we're all spe- mm-hmm. we're speculating like yeah, we are now course. and you're saying if and but and all that so mm-hmm. what if let me pose it to you okay. that we actually make gains and don't lose many mm-hmm. seats at all and we win that by election what are the people that have stood up in the house and supported Keir Starmer over their own prime minister how are they going to look and are they going to continue with the conservative party should they stand down or should they at least have the decency to say well i don't i can't i've not supported the prime minister i've taken the side of the opposition so at the next general election i'll stand aside and let someone else stand in my in my place as a conservative do you think that should be the way forward for the party well not at all because there's a very clear difference between someone standing as a a, a conservative candidate and becoming a conservative member of parliament but then you can have disagreements with the leadership and yes, but that exactly, under, exactly but there's then, a process for doing that there There's is. a process of doing that, and you've got Sir Graham Brady, who's in charge of the 1922 committee, mm-hmm. and they can go to see him about their discord with the with the leader, and mm-hmm. and you can do things in that way. But mm-hmm. no, on a key days of PMQs or whatever, and there's a big debate in the House, you've mm-hmm. got the opposition just absolutely attacking the Prime Minister over things that they've done themselves, it's now transpiring, mm-hmm. and then you'll get people like Mark Harper and... Uh, and, and and all the other people standing up and saying that the Prime Minister must go and he can't support him. That I don't think that's the process of doing it. But if it turns out then that they that the country is still so much behind um uh, behind uh, Boris, do you think their residents or their their um the people that vote for them in are gonna to mm. want to be voting them again in the next general election? I can't see Mark Harper mm. uh, retaining his position mm. within the party. The, Mm. I've been speaking to people from where he comes from and the, the local members there are absolutely mm. outraged with, with his statement in the House when he stood up and said what he said mm. to the Prime Minister. But, but, but again, again on, on that point, you can make the same arguments around Theresa May. There were, there were so many elected in her 2017 election who were opposed to Brexit but had agreed to put, put their views to one side and uh, still stand as Conservative MPs. They... Uh, again, found that her position was untenable as leader. They submitted letters of no confidence, just as and, and, M- MPs and, and are doing with Boris down. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, there was a lot more letters went to with Theresa May than Boris Johnson. Uh, there were, and of course, the circumstances yeah. are very different. But the point, I, I suppose, the point does still remain that you know you can be elected as, as a Conservative MP. You believe in the values of the party. No, that's fine. If it's your judgment that the the party leader is not performing as they should do, then it, it, it's on you as a Conservative MP to submit your letter of no confidence. Yeah, that's fine, but if you're so much in, in uh, out of touch with the party, should you really be continuing with that party? The old saying: you live by the sword and you die by the sword. Mm. Uh, some of these people are are they doing it for the party's uh, reasons or are they doing it for themselves? You've got to look at the whole picture of this, and I mm-hmm. think some of them are doing it for themselves uh, and not for the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see Steve Baker, he's how many knives has he had out for different leaders over the years? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems he's never happy with whoever's the leader of the party. Uh, and really, I would call on people like Steve, you know, Steve Baker. If you know, if 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 Boris goes of this, and then all right, Steve Baker fights to live another day because. You live by the sword, you die by the sword, and he, he's mm. uh, he's been right on that one. But if he's wrong again, mm. uh, and the way the way he's gone about doing it, I think that's the key to it. You know, we had um, an MP on on the uh, on the telly a few days ago, 
actually after Steve Baker said what he said, and he mm. says, well, what it just shows you how great British democracy is. Mm. How many places in the world where you can have someone from their own party stand up and criticise the leader and ret- not retain, just retain the lives, but retain the position. Mm. So uh, it, it does highlight our capabilities in mm. uh, in British democracy, uh, the way we can say things. But really, as a party going forward, it, it's all right doing it now and again or doing it, taking a particular stance on something. But for serial people to be doing this and going against uh, their own party when they're really up against it, there's different formulas and formats in place to deal with that. And they've not mm. done that. So uh, that, that's why I've mm. taken that stance or right. come out with the comments that I have with mm-hmm. certain people. Okay. But we wait and see. Next Friday, yeah. if you did this interview uh, next Friday afternoon, yeah. it could be very different. Absolutely. So let's say in this particular situation then that Boris Johnson's position is no longer tenable and he does submit his resignation. Who do you think would be the, the front runners or the candidates to take over from him? Do you know what? I've no idea. Mm. Because it, it always... It always transpires to be someone else he's never the people we all talk about i've i've spoke about this on gb news as well because uh i mean it was only a few years ago we we're talking about george osborne would be the next prime minister mm. and that never happened yeah. so it's never the ones you really think and it was always a case if it would never be boris Mm. Uh, not so long ago, and here we go. We've got Boris as the prime minister, mm-hmm. and generally the con- the country loving him as prime minister, regardless of mm-hmm. there might be a few conservatives that don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, the but the press are making a big thing of that at the moment. So of of the current of the current crop of MPs and of those in in cabinet at the moment, just for example, example, who do you think would would take over? Who do you think is the most likely person to succeed him? I'm really struggling to think and looking at the uh, the caliber of uh, of MPs mm. now compared to the old days in the old days it was very easy to pick one out of the air and say yeah they'd be a brilliant mm. prime minister and people had different views on that but I think mm. in this day and age the way people conduct themselves in the chamber uh, it leaves one scratching one's head really as to yeah. who could possibly be the next leader of the Conservative Party mm. but you know you have to wait and see when they conduct themselves in the uh, uh, when we have the rounds, rounds choosing them and that, because we saw last time a few years ago when uh, the party actually backed Boris in the end, that there were some terrible candidates in that when they were stood up mm. talking. And I went mm. to uh, I went to the first one, which was the big one in London, um, to see that. And some of the performances there were absolutely were absolutely shocking. <laughs> yeah. And Boris Boris stood out head and shoulders above everyone else. Mm. But people who, who let me down, really, I, I was quite hopeful for Dominic Rabb, and he, mm. he's, he's improved. But at that time, he wasn't ready to be leader at that time. Mm. And he was very nervous uh, when he was uh, at the hustings to, mm. uh, to put himself forward. Jeremy Hunt was very flat. And I don't think I don't. I'd, I would rule out straight away. If you, it's easier mm. for me to rule out people. Yeah. And I would rule out Jeremy Hunt. I'd rule out Steve Baker as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's easier for me to think no's mm. rather than yeses. Right. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I I backed Jeremy Hunt in 2019, and yeah, I, I've never been Boris Johnson's biggest supporter. But we were discussing this on the show last week, and you know, we we were struggling to think of people who could take over. I'd, I suppose if I had to put money on, on someone at the moment, I'd probably choose uh, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, who's done a, a sterling job in, in the response against Ukraine. He's a, a very uh, yeah, well, experienced I, I minister. Agree with that. So. 
I, yeah, I could agree with that. That's that's someone who I wouldn't have first gone to. But mm. you see the way they conduct themselves now, and they do the interviews yeah. on TV, the way they come across and articulate themselves. I could, yeah, I, I could go with what you've said there. Mm-hmm. So if he okay. was one of the front runners, I may go. You know, if you were putting mm-hmm. him against Steve Baker, Steve Baker would definitely not get my vote. Mm-hmm. Ben Wallace would get it over there. So it's all these different things, and when you know, when when people don't forget what Steve Baker's done, they'll never forget that. When you don't back your party, and you mm-hmm. and you do things like that for own, your own political gain, people mm-hmm. won't forget it. So regardless if if uh, Boris stays or if he resigns or whatever. I don't think Steve Baker's in a particularly good position. Mm. So look, ju- just to br- bring our conversation back to local elections then, obviously election nights on Thursday nights into, into Friday morning, voting opens at 7am, closes at 10pm. T- uh, so yeah. looking at the, the national picture then, wh- which would you say are the areas, are the, the ones to watch when we, we see the coverage of the, the various counts and results? Where, where do you think are going to be the real bellwether <laughs> areas to determine the the fate of either of the main parties well unfortunately my focus is greater manchester and the Mm. 10 areas of greater manchester i don't really look beyond that Mm. although there's going to be a few interesting ones but i I think if you take the mood of the country generally i think Mm. it'll generally be all right but you've got particularly tough areas so we've got trafford for instance in Mm. within greater manchester uh that uh, went over to labour uh, a lot of disgruntled uh, residents in Trafford. I mean, one of my radio stations that I operate with at um, Radio Alty is obviously based in Altrincham. And mm-hmm. we've seen that go from a very strong conservative council area and that chain went to green. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the conservatives have put a candidate in there that's not really known in the area. Um, mm-hmm. And... I think, and they've not, you know, so when you think about local issues and policies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. when people go to the ballot, is it going to really make uh, someone go out and vote Conservative again and get rid of the Greens if the mm-hmm. candidate is not really known in the area? Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to say what happens in Trafford. Uh, we've got um, in Withenshaw and Sale East, uh, there's an area called Brooklands, and it's actually two parts of Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's Manchester and Brooklyn's Trafford. Mm. Um, Brooklyn's Trafford used to be a very strong conservative area, and mm. we've seen over the last few years them drop off. So we lost... Uh, but we had retiring councillors, and, and the incumbents who weren't known in the area... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, they weren't incumbents, but they knew, but uh, the Conservatives didn't retain the seats there, and it went to Labour. Mm-hmm. Um We've now got a situation in uh, in Brooklyn's Trafford where everyone's brand new coming into the seat. No one's particularly well known, and uh, possibly that could go back to Conservative. Uh, so that's looking really focusing in. Within Shore and Sale East, if we look at uh, the, the, where I live at Woodhouse Park, um, will it go? Will it go to the Greens or will it go to Labour? Uh, I'm expecting a little rise uh, in. Conservative votes in Woodhouse Park. Actually, uh, we may get some of the Greens voting Conservative. 
we'll never get Labour voting Conservative. We'll get some new people out that don't usually vote mm. uh, that may vote Conservative because of the media coverage. It's very mm. funny how it works out. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite sure that uh, Sarah Judge will retain her position on the council. Of course, throughout these local elections as well, we shouldn't forget the fact that the Liberal Democrats, who don't usually do particularly well at parliamentary, do uh, quite well in local elections. How much of a threat well, do you think got, they could be? We've got Didsbury West at the moment where they've got a bit of a foothold in there, but they didn't do a clean sweep last time, so the writing could be on the wall for them. The problem with mm. the Lib Dems, uh, nationally, they didn't want to recognise the... Uh, the Brexit result. So mm. that's damaged them beyond uh, recognition, really. And I think they're up against that when people, look, when they look at how they deny the sort of disregard democracy, uh, people think about that, even at local elections. I don't think the Lib Dems are going to make big inroads in Manchester uh, uh, at all. I don't know how they'll do in Stockport. They may have a little comeback in Stockport. Um, but besides that, I don't think so. Uh, but we're looking at Stop Stockport's an interesting one. We may see a revival of some Conservative uh, seats mm -hmm. out over in Stockport. Uh, even in Tameside, I think that's possible uh, to mm -hmm. get a couple of seats in Tameside. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll see Bury Council uh, retain, con be controlled by the Conservative Party, probably make a few gains there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Bury's, Bury's a strange one because um, there's been a bit of negative publicity over in Bury uh, through for different reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, if, if I think, again, this is where the, the negativity of mainstream media, uh, people sort of go against it a little bit. Mm. So that could save Berry really, for the Conservative group. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm really itching for them results to come through and, yeah. and see how it pans out, and then we yeah. can uh, really uh, take that one forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you say, it's all speculation at the moment. It's all try trying to figure out on certain trends and who we've spoken to, etc. So ju just finally then, moving beyond, beyond the local elections, let's look to the next general election, 2024, we think it, it is. There's rumours it could be autumn 2023. But either way, whenever it comes, what's your projection for... And uh, do, you, do you think that Boris Johnson will do what no Conservative leader has ever done before and win the party a fifth consecutive term in office? Yes. <laughs> yes is the simple answer yep. to me. I do, I do believe that if Boris mm -hmm. is the leader. If Boris is not the leader, then it's back to the drawing board. I don't know what will happen there. We mm -hmm. certainly won't have a massive majority like last time. Uh, and these people like... Uh, the reason why I'm so confident about this is I look mm -hmm. at people like my mum who has mm -hmm. voted Labour all her life mm -hmm. and then voted for Boris. She rang me up on the general election day in 2019 and she says, who are you voting for? I'm like, what are you asking me that question for? She says, who are you voting for? She says, oh, I'm voting for Boris. So not, the, mm -hmm. not the local person that's up for the right. thing. She was voting for Boris in her eyes when she went out to vote. Uh, so last year in the local elections, her husband was actually standing in the election mm. as a Conservative. So right. she voted for him in the local election, but for the mayor, she went and voted for Andy Burnham right. because she likes Andy Burnham. She likes mm -hmm. the look of him. So it's funny how people are and, and, yeah. and that. And, and mm. I'd say my mum's very typical of a of a Manchester voter in the way that, in a traditional Manchester sense. Yeah. So uh, very funny, really. So anything could happen. It really could. Yep, absolutely. Well, Stephen Colton Woods, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Nathan. Nice to speak to you.